podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name's Dan Hart from Twickenham. Uh, very pleased to be welcoming two cricketing aficionados with me this evening. Uh, first up, Salman Ali from North London. Hi, Sal. How are you? Hi, Dan. I'm very well, thank you. A bit warmer now than I was two days ago. It was parky on Saturday, wasn't it? It was one of those chilly sort of Aprilish days. Um, so, yeah, I hear you. It took me a while to warm up too. Um, and also, really pleased to welcome, first time on the pod, uh, obviously, um, former Middlesex cricketer, Captain Harris St Mary's, Ravi Patel. Hi, Ravi. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, glad to be here. Good man. Well, thanks very much for coming on board. We really appreciate it. Um, and we want to talk to you, Rav, about, about a whole list of things, really, about you know your, your experiences with Middlesex a little bit, and also about Harrison Mary's, really, um, because Harrison Mary's very much in the promotion hunt this year. If there were a promotion hunt to be in, Harrison Mary's would be in it. Um, and also about your sort of experience as a club cricket, really, and, and, and what, you, what you make of that. We'll get to that in a minute, though. First up, Sal. Um, Premier Division, some interesting games this weekend. Do you want to talk us through them? Yeah, sure. I think the weather obviously has affected wickets this, this weekend because there's been some sort of low-scoring games. But the, the game at the top, which saw Ealing take on North Middlesex, was a comfortable win for, for if we're Ealing, who played a side minus cracking on Holman, which was probably a bit of a disappointment for, for North Middlesex. Obviously, they would have been happy to have them in their team, but still, that's how it goes. Uh, Seven-wicket win for Christian Martin's team, who now are clear at the top. And main man for them was Nick Palmer who took 5 for 30 and Ben Grave and Scott Ensom batted well to see them home and uh, but behind them and who, who they're playing this weekend I'm sure we'll talk about later on is Teddington who, who disposed of Twickenham in a, in a rain-affected game Twickenham obviously didn't get enough runs on the board which has obviously been an issue for them this season and Teddy Teddington led by Abhishek Junjunwala who sort of teed off at the end comfortable win in the end coming home by six wickets the Two real exciting games were Hampstead and Crouch Chen. Now, this was really to and fro and back and forth. No, we never started to actually really gain control of the, of, of, of the game until the last over where Hampstead were probably dead and buried by the looks of it. With Crouch and needed four to off the last over, two balls, so two wickets in hand. And until Ben Fraser turned up, come off the out, come off the man, and took two wickets to win the game for Hampstead, who won by one run. And another been a nail biter was Bronze Bin Bush. Bush, who obviously won last week a uh, last over game, were actually the victim this week of losing the last over. Bronze Bin picked up their first win, so well played to them. Again, Bronze Bin looked like they were dead and buried until their new signing from Ostley, Fahim Bahrami, came in and, and produced a good three wickets to see the two run win for James Overy's side. So, congratulations to the guys I mentioned. And the final game was Richmond, who against Finch, or Finch against Richmond. Richmond continued to be performing really, really well, despite their captain, Will Phillips, being stranded in Portugal. Which, I mean, they're the worst place to be on this time of the year, um, due to the, obviously the restrictions, but he, they, they filled in without him, with him there, um, not there, and won comfortably against Finchley. Greg King, good team, gets some runs for them. He's, he's captain the side a couple of years back. Had a bit of um, form, you know, in the loss some form, but he's back into form now, hit at 50. And then all their bowlers, again, who've been, you know, really pivotal in the last few weeks, Produced the goods to to see a comfortable win against Finchley, who are you know they've struggled this season. I'm sure they'll admit that as well. But Richmond, fair play to them. That's four wins in a row for them now. 
Yeah, I mean, an interesting set of results. I mean, one, one thing that struck me across the whole league is that um, I think you're dead right, some low-scoring games, but is there a case to be made that the low-scoring games are the more interesting ones? There was some really entertaining cricket going on there, wasn't there? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, we all love a nail-biter, don't we? You don't want to see games where the game's effectively over after, you know, if a side post 300-plus and the opposition are, you know, 50 for 5 rather than after 25 hours, the game's done, isn't it? We, I mean, these games are fantastic. I'm sure... There were some sort of, you know, decent sort of crowds watching, obviously, all social distance, I'm hoping they were. And they had some great finishes. And it, it, it boosts morale, doesn't it? I mean, sure, everyone loves to win their games. I mean, sure, we might rather, rather we might explain that to one. But the ones where you win by the one or two ones are the ones you remember, not the ones you won by, you know, eight, nine wickets. You know, and the game was done by five o'clock. So, yeah, yeah, I think it was just good cricket. And, um, yeah, fair play to, to those sides who held their never at the end and won. No, I was going to add, I think that's right. And I'm always sort of, you know, much more interested in these these nail biters where um, smaller knocks of 30 or 40 might be absolutely pivotal than, than you know, a shootout where it's 350 against 320. There seems to be more um, more interesting cricket played there. Um, in terms of where we're going in, in, the, in the top flight, though, it looks as if, you know, next week is going to be the, the, the crucial week in all of this, right? Ealing face off against Teddington at the top. Um, I guess Teddington will be... It'll be interesting to see which team they they put out there as as to how they're ultimately g- going to fare. I say that because um, I know Sam Robert, uh, Sam Robson played at the Green on on Saturday uh, against us, um, and clearly if if he's around, then then that that batting lineup will be uh, will be stronger for, for his presence. Um, Teddington also, I mean, I wouldn't say they wobbled against us. That might be pushing it a little bit, but they were sixty odd for four. Rob Robson was out chasing um, you know chasing one hundred and fifty odds, so. There was there was a chance for us in that game, although we ultimately didn't take it. So um, I'm intrigued to see to see if Teddington pull out all the stops and uh, and, and can um, put one over on on Ealing on Saturday. Because of course, if they don't, then, then Ealing could actually win the league this this coming weekend. Sal, any thoughts on that one? Where, where's your hunches? Uh, it's a fascinating game, isn't it? You know, it's very rare that we get these kind of game. But I was with Matty Watson yesterday. He was umpiring our, our cup game at North London. We had a good chat. He's umpiring next weekend. He is. And I was asking him when's the last time he did this kind of game. It was, you know, I think he's done one where it's been almost up for grabs of, you know, hardly any games left to play in the season. So I'm not going to put my neck on the line for this one because I've done it in the past and I've got it wrong. So I'm going to sit, sit on the fence. But what I will say is obviously Eden and Tennington, first teams are playing against the throw for the title. Tennington, second and third team are also trying to win the title and they're both playing Eden as well. So it could be a real big weekend for, for their whole club in terms of where they where their season ends up for their first, second and third eleven. So that'd be fascinating to see how these games all sort of turn up, um, sort of come next weekend. Hopefully we don't get any rain, we get the cricket played and can have a real sort of, you know, shootout at Bushy Park by the looks of it. I was going to ask you about the weather. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I've given up checking the weather, Sal, to be honest. You know, so many times I thought, oh, it's going to be a wonderful Saturday and then it isn't and vice versa. But have you had a look? Any ideas if we're going to get some, some dry weather between now and the weekend? It looks warmer Talk, like middle of the week coming to to the weekend but I'm not going to you know make any big predictions as I said I'm still recovering from Saturday where it was just almost Arctic point where I was so um, I mean I'm, I'm still in, in sort of like wearing gloves at the moment so just about I'm not going to make any wild predictions about the weather I'll leave that to the experts Yeah, I totally buy that I mean I, I, I know what you mean about Saturday too it felt like it was early April didn't it I mean I for better or worse, batted around, what, 28 overs or so. And I was bloody freezing, batting. And, you know, I had a jumper on and gloves. So, you know, uh, that, that says something, doesn't it? So, so yeah, I, fingers crossed it's a bit warmer. Cricket's really not meant to be played in that, in that sort of weather. Um, looking at the other divisions, Ravi, Division 2 looks pretty interesting to me. Um, 
and, and I'm, I'm keen to get your take on it. But, but before before we talk about how St Mary's and, and, and how well you guys are doing this season, um, you know, you're sort of now full on in, in club cricket, having played, obviously, a number of years for Middlesex. Um, what do you make of it? What, what's your take, t- take on what you're experiencing? Because I think if, if I'm right in saying it's the first time you've ever played in Division 2, right? So that, that must be a new experience yeah. in and of itself. Yeah, um, yeah, like you said, it, I've played Premier League since the age of 15. Because um, I grew up at Harris St Mary's and then I moved to Ealing at 15 to play Premier League cricket and uh, played ever since. So um, it's a different experience playing, obviously, a league below. Um, the competitiveness is definitely there. So the team spirit, everyone wanting to win for their clubs is still there, even though it's a league down. Um, because everyone wants, to, well, there's no promotion uh, this year, but everyone's sort of gearing up and want, they want their team to be in a good place for next year. Hopefully that everything goes back to normal. So the competitiveness is there. Um, the, there is a drop off in standard um, for sure, um, but that's to be expected. So I've uh, just enjoyed it um, just playing because at the start of the year, I thought there'd be no cricket. There'd be no chance at all. So. I'm just enjoying every Saturday um, playing in the league, to be honest. No, oh, that's great. That's great. I mean, and, and j- just for folks who are not fully aware, how many years were you at Middlesex? And what, what, were you, what was the high point of your time at Middlesex? What things do you look back um, on most fondly? Well, I was signed for nine years um, from 2010 to 2018. Uh, two years on a summer contract when I was uh, young and then seven years on a full deal. And um, yeah, it's a big part of my life because I um, grew up from the age of nine, playing all the way through. Um, I wasn't someone that came in. Uh, I was there throughout the whole system, through the academy, onto the staff, and um, progressed from there. And um, it was a big part of my life. Uh, obviously, still wish the boys well when I see the scores. Um, try and keep in contact with as many people as possible. Um, and I was just really grateful that I can say that I was a professional creator for a big club, and uh, I just enjoyed every minute of it. Did you ever sort of get used to walking out to play at Lords? Because for people like me who obviously, you know, have no experience of that whatsoever, it sounds like sort of, you know, you're living in a fairy tale land. But does Lords just become a bit normal after a while or, or is that not the case? Yeah. Lords is always something special. That's uh, a good question because I was actually thinking about this the other day when I saw that Middlesex were playing their first T20 at Lords. And I'm pretty sure. Um, other players would say the same thing, but you take it, you do take it for granted because it's your place of work. You're training there every day and you're playing there. And when you're out of it now, like I am, I look back and think well, I should have just cherished it more. Obviously, I did, but um, it, you, you only realize how special a place it is and how lucky you are that this is your workplace. This is your home ground, the best ground in the world. But you only realize it after. So, um, yeah, I, I look back uh, uh, and get a bit jealous sometimes. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure every ex-player would say the same thing. I'm sure they would. And, of course, you know, you, you have played X number of games at Lords, which, you know, the vast majority of cricketers, of course, have never done. And so that's that, that's always there. Um, we were talking off um, off air before about cold games of cricket. And um, you, you mentioned a particularly cold one. Just thinking about Sal's comment about Saturday being freezing. Um, about a, a game that you played up in Durham, was it, or was it against Northampton? So I'm getting—I can't remember. I saw yeah. my head now where it was particularly cold. Yeah, so I remember. Obviously, every preseason is freezing, um, 
and we had a game against Northlands. I can't remember what year it was. And uh, it was so cold, we actually just binned the game at tea time. The two captains and the umpires spoke and just said, let's just can this game. Because I love it was that. so, That's so cold. Good. <laughs> uh, like, uh, our, one of our senior players, Neil Dexter, he came off the field and had to go to hospital because he was so cold and I don't know exactly what issues he had, but he was not in a good way. Um, everyone had beanies, uh, training kit under the jumpers. Uh, people were wearing gloves, so the slip fielders were wearing gloves. It was that cold. Um, and we were obviously hoping that it just rained so we could actually go off, but it didn't rain. And uh, <laughs> that was one of the... Yeah, I'll never forget that day, just how cold it was. I couldn't grip the ball. Um, I'm sure no one could, to be honest. And it would have been worse oh, for the batsmen if they got... Yeah, they yeah, got a, a hit. A game of professional <laughs> cricketers where they just said, sod this, it's too cold, I'm going home. It's just, just yeah. super. That's great. Gives well, it was a friendly... And it, Sure. I mean, if it was a county championship, they wouldn't have been able to do that because it was a preseason friendly. We did it. And then there was another game um, which I didn't play in, but I remember the lads telling me when they came back, which was in Durham, where it was actually snowing during the game. So <laughs> I can't imagine what no, it was been like for them on that day. Yeah. Well, I went to university in Newcastle upon Tyne, so I played a bit of cricket in the northeast. And seriously, Sal, you know, you, you, it's cold up there and it's bloody windy. Um, and, and so, you know, the idea of playing any games above 20 degrees Celsius is like paradise. I'll t- I take that every day of the week in Newcastle. It's always cold. Um, but there we go. But back to Saturday. Now, I was, I was going to sort of talk to you a bit. I mean, you're a bit expensive on Saturday, Ravi, if, if I'm right in saying that. <laughs> went for a few runs. What, what were your figures at the weekend? <laughs> yeah, a few too many loose balls. Um, yeah, it looks that uh, yeah. Four runs I went for. I've never, never done anything like that. Nine overs and four runs. Um, That's crazy, so isn't it? it was, That's... Yeah, well, I did bowl well. I came out well and uh, it was spinning a lot. And um, there was just pretty much three or four balls in the over were just playing misses. So <laughs> those were, that's how the dot balls just came about, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I was quite intrigued with, with Highgate score because it's... Um... You know, they got 119, didn't they, or 45? And I mean, I, I totally get it. It was that sort of day where, where 150 can easily win a game of cricket. But I, I can't think of too many times where I've seen a bat, a side bat, all the way through to, for, for 119, to be honest. I've seen, I've seen sides sort of get 130s and 140s off 45 or 50 overs. But that, that's, they must really have been struggling. Now, was it something about the conditions on the day? Or was it you guys are a good bowling attack, right? Uh, did they just find it quite difficult to get you off the square? Um... It was a combination of everything. Obviously, it wasn't ideal batting conditions. It was windy. It was cold. Um, they got off to a decent start in terms of their run rate. And then uh, I think Ali's one of the best uh, spinners you'll ever get in club cricket. <laughs> I mean, what he's done over however many years. So every time yeah. he comes on, he just blocks it up straight away. Every single time. Whether he gets wickets or he doesn't, he doesn't bowl bad balls. And then, like I said, I felt good and it came out well for me. So... If we're both on, on song and bowling in tandem, we can, we can get on top of team, especially if the wicket's helping us and turning, which it was. Um, so we just got in a good rhythm and they sort of got a bit stuck. Um, I think they might have maybe tried to see us off uh, and gone down. And I'm not sure. I'm just, well, I think they might have been thinking uh, because they didn't take too many risks, whereas maybe they could have taken a risk or two. Who knows? But... Um, just one of those days where in the middle where the two spinners were, were going, um, bowling together, you know, they were both on it and um, it just went our way. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that, that, that seems perfectly logical to me. A lot of times it's just very hard. Every run feels like it's worth four almost. And we, we've all been in that position at, at one time or another in our career. But, I mean, you, you guys are doing pretty well this year. What's the summary of the season then? Because um, you're, you're, you're chasing Stanmore. Um, there's still a chance you might catch them. Do you, do you, what's the secret of the success? Is it, is it the, the tightness of the bowling um, or is it an all-round uh, thing? I think um, we lost some players, obviously, because of COVID and stuff like that. I'm sure every club has. Um, so we lost some batsmen, um, but we kept our bowlers. Um, and, I, and our strength has always been our bowling. Even last year, we could have won five games. and We could have easily stayed up, but it didn't work out. We only won one game. And we went down, but our bowling was always there or thereabouts. It was our batting, which was poor. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I would say, yeah, our bowling is our strength. Uh, I've won a few tosses, so <laughs> we've got to bat first. And then we know if we've got even a half-decent score, we'll always back ourselves to do well in the game. Even if we lose, we'll be in with a shout. And um, I think the key thing is that certain batsmen that we have have also scored runs as well. to. Um, complement the good bowling that we know we have so a combination of the two um, has helped and um, even the Samuel game which we lost they were 50 for five um, chasing our score and then they got it in the end so even we could have won that one so um, I'm happy I'm very happy with how things have gone for us and um, hopefully you never know uh, if Samuel slip up and we win we could win the league who knows yeah and you've got Acton last game of the season as well haven't you and Acton are, are doing well that'll be an interesting one to uh, to account for because I mean as you say there's no promotion but it would be the sort of battle for the second promotion place at worst if there were such a thing so I guess that'll be a an interesting way of finishing the season off right yeah definitely I mean uh we we told the Highgate players after the game do us a favor next week and beat Stanmore but let's see how that goes because they're playing Stanmore next week and uh, yeah even if Stanmore have won it by then then we'll still fight for second place and take that momentum into next year yeah, so I mean, Highgate are a bit hit and miss as well, and I, I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. But I mean, when they when they when, when they get on it, when they score runs, they, they can be quite a handful. So you know, if a different Highgate turns up uh, next week, then um, Stanmore might might find it tricky. We we will see. Um, moving on, other games in your division, Ravi. I don't did did you uh, did you have a chance to sort of hear much about the Brentham v Winchmore Hill game? That was a that was an exciting encounter. I don't know if you heard much about that one. Yeah, I heard about that one. Um... Uh, was there like a collapse and then a big partnership and a tight game? So, yeah, uh, yeah it's always interesting to hear uh, <laughs> those sorts of stories to the game for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I sort of looked into this one a little bit. It sounds like one of those games that you you know you, you think you've won, then you've lost, and you've won, then you've lost, and you've won again. It, it was all over the place because Brentham was sixty nine for eight, um, and they they managed then to have a, a, a really impressive revival when their number ten came in, Faisal Khan, who's the only bowler. And he um he blasted seventy seven just just a seven balls lost apparently so so I hear from their standing captain so he he clearly wasn't running quick singles he was trying to blast it to kingdom come and he put on hundred and thirty six with the number I think it was the number eight or number seven side Rayman uh, who also got seventy odd he got seventy six he took his time though and he used he used eighty one balls um, and <laughs> so that they blasted them back into the game and I think Winchmore Hill were a bit shell shocked so that they they didn't start well two for two. Um, Jim Gatting came in, got 50, you know, Jim, Jim Gatting, been around a long time, knows the ropes. Um, but then they had a collapse as well. And all of a sudden, Brentham looked like they're going to win again. Um, and they had sort of two wickets left. Winchmore Hill needed 34. 
Um, and then it, it sounds like it was like a, a Benny Hill over, as someone described it to me earlier today, where Brentham got it all wrong. There were overthrows in the game. This is the, the penultimate over the match. Overthrows in the game, catches dropped, um, all sorts of fielding errors. And, and basically, Winchmore Hill scraped home with, with two wickets left. So, um, you know, as Sal said at the beginning, one of those games, you know, the, these relatively low-scoring games where everything's happened in one day. And, um, and Winchmore Hill came through, but um, it sounds like, you know, you know, one of those one of those nuts games of cricket that you'll remember for a um, for a very long time. I mean, elsewhere in the league, Sal, was there anything that caught your eye in in, in any of the other divisions? Uh, division freeze is it also is very tight at the top. Uh, Southampton have, have taken the lead now. They jumped to the top position after good free wicket win away at Barnes, sorry, at home to Barnes. Sorry, I, mean, I saw them play two weeks ago, and I was very impressed with them. They're quite a young side. They've also got Nish Patel, who's been around a few years. And, you know, you called this as well, Sal. I remember you saying this, keeping an eye on South Hampstead, and you were right, because they were fourth or fifth at the time. So, um, yeah. yeah, I remember. Yeah. No, they've got some good good players who, who lots of energy, lots of sort of ability, and they're, they're very sort of competitive and very sort of gritty and strong as well mentally. So, you know, they, they had a bit of a tough chase on Saturday, which actually managed to, to, to win the game. So, fair play to them. So, again, you know, they're, they're in a pole position now. I was at North London Southgate, and again, I've mentioned the weather, so I'll come back to that again. But again, another low-scoring game. I'm sure both sides would admit they can play better cricket, but it was you know a thrilling game in terms of how it finished with Southgate winning by two wickets. Dave Wolfman and the old stager batted and bowled really well, and he, he actually was a guy who actually won the game for them, really. He took a run out and also got a catch. And James Backcock bowled well for us, took four wickets, taken out their two sort of gun players and done it in Edridge, who were looking very good at the time, but... It was, it was a good good game of cricket to watch, as I said, standard in terms of both sides. No, no, they can they can play a lot better. But again, so Southgate are in the mix now, so it's making a really interesting top of the table and a finish towards you know with two games to go. Who's gonna, who's going to come out top? We're going to have to wait and see. Obviously, Wickham House will come to the minute. They've they they won, but they've obviously been deducted some points for their wicket from two weeks ago against the East Coast, which is obviously going to affect their final chances of winning the league. So that's obviously not been the best scenario for them, but. Uh, as I said, we'll have that discussion, I'm sure, in the podcast as well about, about standard wickets. And Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute, So That's an interesting one. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to sort of just chew the fat on that one a little bit. But in terms of North London, we say, again, another fantastic game of cricket. 280 runs scored in the whole game, and yet it was very close. I spoke to Tom Edrich a little earlier. Um, the Southgate captain, and he said it was a fantastic game. You know, really good game of cricket. I mean, Dave Woffenden, he, he must be about 150 now, <laughs> and, and he's still bowling at 10 mile an hour, but blinking heck, he has got a whole host of, 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 of pretty good cricketers um, in, in, his, in his locker there because he keeps getting wickets. And, and, and people, I mean, Ravi's probably got something to say on this. Unless you're bowling super quick, people get a bit fixated on pace, don't they? But if, if you wobble the ball around a bit, then that can be every bit as effective as, as, you know, as trying to bowl as fast as you can, unless, of course, you, you have got real gas behind you. Did you see that a bit in, in first-class cricket, Ravi, that unless you're super, super fast, pace is not really the key issue? Um, yeah, the difference, I feel, with club cricket is obviously the wickets, the pitches, so that will allow an opening bowler with the keeper up to be effective because, you know, as long as he's got skills with the board, he's relatively accurate, he can... Um, use the wicket to his advantage, whereas that player won't be able to push on to play first-class cricket because the wickets are so much better that, you know, if you're bowling that sort of pace, you might bowl your perfect ball, a top player will just hit through the line. So that's where you yep. need pace. Yep. Um, obviously, there are bowlers that, uh, like Darren Stevens who's still going, but and who's effective uh, at the start of the season, but 
you know, the most, and he's obviously a quality all-rounder, legend of county cricket, but the most, most, more often than not, you need either height or pace or swing, one of the three things, um, because of the wickets, they're just so much truer. You need to do, have something different to get anything out of it. That's what I found. I think Dave Woffender would love the fact that we're discussing him and whether his, you know, first class cricket in the same sentences, but because he, you know, he, Dave's been around for many, many years, but he, he is a massively underrated cricketer, both, both. And, and I remember from 15 years ago that he, he was wobbling it around then and getting, you know, he gets his 30, 40 wickets a year and, and every respect to him. On the issue of wickets, though, Ravi, I, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm interested to hear more on this one because as I'm sure you've heard, Wickham House have been deducted 10 points. Um, not just for having a poor wicket, but, but because they had a game that was abandoned because the wicket was not suitable uh, to be played on. It was abandoned very quickly, you know, in, in proceedings. Um, and so they, they've, they've got themselves in big trouble with that. And they've had warnings in the past, as have other clubs. I mean, uh, um, you know, a lot of clubs around the county now have been, have been tapped on the shoulder and said, look, you know, you, you need to think about your wickets. What's your take on this, Ravi? Do we have a problem? Um, or is this just an inevitable part of club cricket the wickets are never going to be as good as the ones that you played your professional career on and we got to suck it up um what's your take yeah, on it absolutely that's that's 100 percent. i think the groundsmen are doing all they can i'm sure it's not due to uh laziness that the wickets might not be good on a certain week it might be raining the whole week and you want to get the game on so um yeah i think that's just um obviously um how it is i guess and um I wouldn't say there's a problem with it. I think people need to just accept that that's what club cricket is um, and just uh, embrace it, um, that, you know, they're trying their hardest. They haven't got the facilities of a Lords or, or an Oval. And, um, yeah, they just have to get on with it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I follow that to a point. But, um, I mean, from what I hear, that the, the Wickham House wicket was dangerous. Now, I, I haven't been to Wickham House this season, so I can't comment. But, um, Sal, what's your take on this? Have Wick, Wickham House been... Been been hit with a fine that's perhaps a bit heavy, or or do you go the other way? You know that that they they've had a long time to put this right. They haven't done it, therefore you you've got to make something of an example of them. Any thoughts? I mean, and uh, it was mentioned that they've obviously been struggling with finances due to obviously the COVID situation. They've not been able to employ a groundsman, from what I was told. So that's obviously something to to take into consideration. But then you have to set set some kind of precedent, don't we? Really, here, you know, can team just prepare bad wicket we're going to go in the last game of the season in the, in the title decide and just have it abandoned and you know lose lose a point for instance so they had to do something in the league I think and I think they made the right decision here they've also been warned about their, their future future pitches so it's something for them to work on if you know if they, if do, if they do have an issue with, with their wicket maybe they can seek some help so maybe sort of gain some funding from somewhere potentially I'm not sure how it works entirely but you know we don't want people going to play cricket and ended up with broken arms and limbs, you know, just due to the wicket not being, you know, a decent wicket in terms of that. But I, I do kind of get their predicament in, it's in, in the financial side of things. Obviously, it's not easy at the moment. So hopefully there'll be some, there'll be some kind of solution to this before next, before next season starts. Yeah, well, I certainly think Wickham House will be m- making steps in that direction. Ravi? Yeah, I was just saying, um, absolutely. I think if a pitch is dangerous, then absolutely there, there's got to be a consequence because end of the day you don't want people getting hurt um the only issue i have with it because uh even we got a warning on our pitch on saturday which i was very upset about when i saw the email come through if you look to just take it for what it was is that highgate got 120 runs in 45 overs and we chased it in 20 overs so how can that pitch 
be deemed unsatisfactory to the point where we're getting a warning and this and that or whatever, uh, you know, the technicality of it is. Whereas where we went at six and over, uh, it just that, that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, if a pitch spins a little bit too much or seems a little bit too much, I don't have an issue with it. That's part of the challenge because on certain certain grounds, you're going to have a good good batting deck. You might have a turning deck. You might have a steaming deck all around the league. And that's part of the challenge of having a good season is that you're able to perform in different conditions. As Like I said, as long as it's not dangerous. Um, they do it in county cricket. That game we had against Somerset where, you know, whoever lost went down. What do they do? They, they prepared a pitch that was eight days old because they knew they had three spinners. Um, so, the, so teams do it uh, for their advantage, but as long as it's not dangerous, um, I don't have an issue with it. So I think we don't want to get too pedantic about, oh, warning here, warning there, um, because we have to take into consideration all the circumstances um, before, because that's quite a big decision to make, uh, warning someone or then eventually taking points of a club for a, for a pitch that maybe spins a bit too much or seems a bit too much. If it's not dangerous, I don't see the problem. Well, I think this is, this, I think that's really interesting because this is a slightly different point, but I find it frustrating when I talk to people about what a good cricket wicket is. And for some people, a good cricket wicket is a wicket where it's 300 versus 280. It's a shootout. It's flat. You can whack the ball miles. That's a good cricket wicket. Um, yeah, that's that's not that's not where I am at all. A good cricket wicket should be it should be quite hard to score runs, but not impossible. And it should give something to the bowlers, but not too much. And I think there are too many people who play the game who don't really buy into that logic. A good cricket wicket's flat. I don't quite say that, but I think they mean it sometimes because we're, you know we're used to seeing ODI cricket on the telly, T Twenty cricket on the telly, where they want the big scores, and these wickets are seen as being in some quarters. Good wickets, and I'm not sure they are good wickets at all. They're boring wickets. You know, many of the wickets I see in the subcontinent for Test matches, it's enough to fall asleep on. You know, they're not good wickets at all. They're just flat, boring, non-competitive wickets. So I totally buy your point, Rabbi. You should have a bit for everybody. Um, in terms of the the, the wicker mouse position, the, the bit that I find difficult is knowing where the dividing line is between well, knowing when something becomes dangerous. I mean, I, I get it. You know, we've all in this conversation played enough cricket to be able to see a dangerous, you know, a dangerous wicket. But there's plenty of grey areas here about when you cross that mark, isn't it? Just because a, a, it's bouncing a bit more than normal doesn't mean it's dangerous. Just because it's keeping low more than normal, it, it, it's just a different type of challenge. And, you know, I'm afraid I'm old enough to remember uncovered wickets and just turning up on playing on, quite frankly, whatever was in front of you. And, and bowlers were bowling just as fast then as they do now. Yeah, that's gone out of the game, hasn't it? You know, the idea of playing on a wicket that's that, that's not had a cover on it, you know, younger cricketers will be like, oh my God, you know, this thing's a bit wet. Well, yeah, it is. Get out there. Bat. You know, that that's part of the game. Um, and I think that's gone now. And I think we're, we're perhaps being just a little, um, just a little sort of coy about this. And, and sometimes cricket wickets ain't pretty. Um, but we have to get on and deal with it. However, I think, Sal, you've you got a point. If it's dangerous, then, then that's the line, isn't it? But I'm just never, never totally sure I know where, I know where dangerous begins and ends. Yeah, so yeah, I think that when the ball goes through the top, that makes it dangerous. So if you bowl a ball on a length, even a spinner, even a spinner and it just goes through the top and shoots up, then it becomes dangerous because you can't trust the bounce at all. 
Um, whereas if it spins a lot or it's nipping round corners, well, that's the challenge on the day that the players have to deal with it. That's that's where I see the line. Obviously, it's a very opinion based. Um, yeah. No, but at least it, I mean I like that a lot actually because I'm not. I'd have to think about it a bit more, but I totally get it. At least I understand what I'm looking for. At least I know exactly what you yeah. mean. And and sometimes I hear about these wickets that people don't like, and I think what they mean is they're a batter and they didn't score any runs. I think that's sometimes exactly that's the whole point. And then they use it as an excuse. Oh, that's a terrible wicket. It should be dock points. It's because you didn't score any runs on that day and you didn't enjoy playing on that wicket. Was it actually dangerous to be docked points? I'm not sure it was. Uh, I think yeah. a lot of people make excuses. Yeah. What, one question I had on this, Ravi, and I'm interested to know your take on it, is that Nick Brown, the league um, secretary, put forward an idea that in, in cases where you know wickets are a bit wet and, and something unfortunate has happened, um, in the run-up to the game, maybe water's gone to the covers, and I mean that, that happens in lots of grounds around the country. Is there a case, do you think, for the umpires deciding, okay, th- th- this is unfortunate, it's not dangerous, it's just unfortunate, um, therefore we're going to award the toss to the away side? Is, is, that, is that overthinking it, or do you think that might be something worth considering? Uh, yeah, no, that's a good idea. I mean, they do it in first-class cricket to stop teams just who, ne- who needed a result making it a two-day game by just not even cutting the wicket. So they do it there. Uh, it depends how it would work because then, I mean, there'll be a lot of, if, a, if the umpires decide on that day to do it in that game, I'm surely the home captain's going to have something to say about it and it just gets a bit messy. You but think so, wouldn't you? It's a good <laughs> idea. Well, if it's structured in the right way and there's a clear protocol and there's a way you can measure how wet it is or whatever it may be, then absolutely. But it, uh, it's a good idea. Yeah, one worth considering. I mean, there may be lots of holes in it, but I, I thought it was an interesting one. And Nick Brown mentioned it to me the other day, and I thought, yeah, okay, I, I can see why it's worth worth discussing. Sal, what do you make of that one? I mean, it's, again, I agree with what, what you both said, but in, um, take your club for, as an example, where obviously it's on a green. Now, it's not your fault if some idiots turn up on a Friday night and decide to pull the covers away, or you know, you know, do something in that kind of way, and then next morning you turn, you got water in the wicket. It's not your fault, is it? Really, that's happened. So. You know, I mean, there could be situations where that arises, for instance. So that could be an example where you're going to be penalised for something that's not totally out of your control. And would that be fair? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a fair comment. We do have problems with roll on roller covers at Twickenham because, you know, there are, there are loons about who think it's great to play on them at midnight on a Friday. But at the same time, I guess you could say if you're turning up as an opposition to play, it's not their fault either. Um, yeah. uh, and I'm not advocating necessarily for this, but I, I think it might be one to... To just stop people, you know, pushing it a bit far by preparing or, or getting wickets or, or wickets getting wet and them not doing quite enough about it. I think it would channel the mind a bit. But I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's a winter talking point, isn't it? When we when we've got nothing to, nothing else to talk about. Um, going back to the to, to Saturday, just going to mention Division Four quickly. Um, so I don't know if you you, you noticed there, but SKLP um, played Actonians. So that was game of the day. First v second. Um, worth mentioning that one, and it was a decent game of cricket, from what I can tell. Actonians one three nine, SKLP struggled along and got there uh, one hundred forty for seven in the end. So SKLP are top. So um, uh, congratulations to them. Uh, see if they can um, push that on through the through, through the rest of the season. Um, other divisions. Was there anything that caught your eye, Sal? Um, there anything we need to know from from the lower leagues? Uh, I mean, Wickham House. Obviously, we've spoken a lot about them today, but their second team are having a fantastic season. So they've won they are, seven on the bounce yeah, now. There's no irony here. The only, the only, yeah. yeah, the only side unbeaten in the whole league. We've won all their games. So 
you know, fair play to those guys. They're obviously trying to, to wrap the, the ties up this weekend and then hopefully uh, do the sort of like 100% record for the whole season, which is which will be some effort on their behalf. Absolutely. I mean, it is ironic that we're just talking about Wickham House and their, the struggles they've had with their wicket. It doesn't seem to have affected their twos much. They, they've played 7-1-7. Seven, seven. They're the only team to have done that. Acton twos were with them. Uh, they, they played 6-1-6, six, six, but they were beaten on Saturday by 15 runs uh, or 15 or so runs um, uh, by, by East Coast. They're still a long way clear. They could still win the league this weekend, Acton twos, but their unbeaten record has gone. Um, the, 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 the Wickham House scores on Saturday were a bit juicy as well, uh, Sal. Did, did you mm. notice that? They got 210. Poor old Perrywell Phoenicians, 21 all out. Um, I think yes. that's got to be the lowest score in the county league at any level this year, right? Could well be. I, I mean, we've got a man who can tell us. Um, so yeah, listening. we have. I'm yeah. sure Paul could come back. I know Twickenham Fours managed 24 not out the other week, uh, 24 all out the other week, but um, Perry Fail two seems to have been there. Um, top score in that game? Wides, seven. <laughs> um, so Your favourite subject? My, uh, don't even go there. Don't even go. I mean, in my game on Saturday, we managed to bowl 29 wides at Shepherd's Bush twos in a low-scoring game. Not great. Not great. But, um, but there we are. Um, Sal, you also saw, I think, something interesting in um, Actonian's third eleven game. Um, and this was actually last week. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, though. What, what happened there? Yeah, so last week, obviously, we, there was no podcast. But um, there was a fantastic performance by one of the female cricketers who plays as well. That's her name's Antonia Welch. And she took 6-30 for against Crouch End's third eleven. So, you know, just, so we spoke about how the women's game is developing within the borough. And that's a fantastic example of, of, of you know, the, the opportunities now available for women win the men's side of the game and how clubs are now looking at picking, you know, players based on, you know, their, their, their ability. And which is brilliant. You know, as I said, someone taking six or 30, I'll be proud of that if I took that, you know, any day of the week. So fair play to Antonio for doing that. And hopefully, you know, there'll be more names in the, in the coming years who, who continue to take wicked and who, and who knows, will we ever have a, uh, you know, a woman play in a, in a ones game? That, that'd, that'd be amazing if that happened, you know, in the next sort of two, three years. Who knows? I don't know. It's, it's something yeah. to look forward to. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it, it is worth noting that, of course, the Middlesex County League is, is is senior cricket. It's not necessarily men's cricket. You know, I don't think we, we say no. it's a men's league anyway. It's, it's senior cricket. So it's just for people uh, who are who are good enough to play at the requisite standard. So um, great to see. I've, I've not seen a better bowling figures by a lady in Middlesex since I've been down here, which is nearly 20 years now. Six for 30 is is, is decent and, and every respect to her for doing that. Um Elsewhere, just a couple of things I was going to flag up. Teddington threes, Highgate threes, and then Highgate twos rather are... On, on the cusp of winning their leagues, respect to to both of them, they've both been um, been very impressive this season. Um, Twickenham twos went to Highgate twos on Saturday, and the game's over by two thirty. We were rumbled for fifty, um, and uh, so sorry, Highgate threes. I'm talking about here, not not the twos. We were rumbled for fifty, and we even managed to leave the scorebook on one of our cars on the way home. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that that thing was discovered a mile or so from the ground in a number of different parts, which I thought was a nice sort of, you know, um, uh, explanation of the the quality of cricket we played that day. But Highgate 3 is very good, very impressive, and they are are on the cusp of winning their title um, a week early, as it were. Um, I was also going to mention in the third tier, Division 4, so the third tier there involves sort of fourths and fifths, elevens predominantly. But the reason I was going to mention it is it's definitely the closest of all our divisions, right? Um, what we've got there is Hampstead Fives and SKLP Fours, I think, on 33 points. Crouch End Threes on 32 points and Acton Fours on 31 points. So we've got 33, 33, 32, 31. And I couldn't help but notice all four of them play each other on the last day of the season. So um, so that that is clearly going to be a, 
um, a knicker gripping finale to the, to the campaign um, in in ten days or so so's time. So um, might be worth one just to keep half an eye on um, uh, when it comes around. Given all that, we still got um, we still got a weekend uh, week uh, eight coming up. We've got plenty of cricket um, in store there. There's also other things going on. Sal, we have an MDL final on the horizon somewhere. Um, do you do you know the date of that yet, or is it one for us to look up uh, and come back to folks on next week? I think we'll look up and let them know next week. I did have the dates written down in the finalist, but I've actually lost my notes, so apologies on that. Um, no, no yeah, we, we can let the, we, we can let the listeners know next week about that. All good. And Middlesex Cup, we do know a bit more about that one, though, right? I do know about that, though. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm clued up on that. So it's yesterday was, and actually today and yesterday were the semi-finals in both League Cup One and League Cup Two. League Cup One is obviously the Premier Division sides added in on to two sides so the finalists are going to be uh, an all, a big clash between North Middlesex and Ealing Ealing comfortably beat Tellington today and North Middlesex comfortably beat Bronsbury today so I'm not sure the date of that yet but um, I imagine it'll be obviously once the season finishes it'll be mm-hmm. a neutral ground and I imagine it'll be sort of like a half 11 start and in the League Cup 2 we've got I mean Rich Moyle have really been testing the nerve this weekend you, you spoke about the nail biter against Brentford earlier and then again yesterday Another final over win for them. I think they won by um, one wicket against Harrow. So, you know, well done to those guys. They've obviously got nerves still in, in, within their club. And they're going to be playing North London, who beat Tower Hamlets. I know we've got um, Shaquille from Tower Hamlets on next week, but I just quick mention about their club. It's a fantastic project what they're doing now. You know, all Bangladeshi side playing cricket. And they, they you know, they, they played some good cricket. They lost by 40 odd runs in the end, but, you know, they held their own comfortably for most of the game. And they've got some, you know, from very good cricketers who, you know, who play good standard and they play the game very fairly. There's a great sort of spirit amongst um, both sides. But so North London can look forward to a final at Winchmore And that's going to be held at Winchmore Hill on September 19th. It's a half 11 start. Magnificent. Magnificent. Um, Ravi, Harrison Marys, did you, you were in uh, League Cup 2, right? How, how did you get on with that? I'm trying to remember where, where you bowed yeah, out. Yeah, we... We played Bronsbury in the first round and lost, so it was a short campaign for us. We didn't have a team really because it was on a it was on a Sunday and uh, we didn't have the availability. Um, so yeah, we lost in that early. Well, we weren't dissimilar at Twickenham. We we played Teddington in the quarterfinal ten days ago, and it rained halfway through, so that meant we had to re- reorganise it, which we weren't really planning on doing. And and we played last Wednesday in a T Twenty, and I think everyone forgot that. Um, that it's like not actually week seven of the season. You know, it's not mid-June. And so 5.30 start for a T20 when it's actually the last week of August meant that it, it sort of became a day-night game without any lights. Um, <laughs> and as it happened, we, we got well and truly battered, so it didn't really matter. But um, but yeah, we were playing in the dark and heading to the T20. So that's a, we didn't have a particularly glorious end to the, uh, to, to the Middlesex Cup this year either. Fellas, we covered a lot of ground there. Lots of interesting stuff. I'm intrigued to see where these discussions on pitches go. I think it's one of those big, difficult ones that, that cricket will always be battling with, but we can certainly take that forward um, over the winter. Um, Ravi, go well for the last two weeks. It's been great having you on. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, and I'd love to come back uh, and do another one sometime. It would be our pleasure. I know, actually, Sal wants one. He's got one more question in his locker. Sal, over to you. Yeah, Ravi, I just want to ask you quickly while we've got you on. Obviously, you are it's a diring breed in, in the county championship, a spin bowler. What's, what's your view on why you, you don't think England's produced a, since Graham Swan, a sort of, of top quality test spin bowler? Is it down to wickets? Is there some other thing that's maybe comes uh, to mind? 
few reasons. Uh, the first is the way the county championship in a normal year is scheduled. So you've got 14 games and five of them are in April. So I used to think, well, I might as well go on holiday now and come back in June. Uh, I'm sure a lot of young spinners thought that. Um, so that doesn't help for sure. Um, and I think also the coaching. I mean, every team has a batting coach, a bowling coach, who's a fast bowling coach, uh, a wicket-keeping guy who comes in, a consultant or maybe a uh, wicket-keeping actual coach. But there's no real uh, coach for spinners uh, who are employed full-time. They'll just come in and out. So that guidance could be a bit better. I think those would be the two main reasons. But I think there are uh, some quality spinners out there as well. It's just um, changing the schedule so they could actually bowl uh, in four-day cricket. That's what I'd say on it. That sounds absolutely spot-on to me. I mean, I, I didn't quite realise those numbers. So is that five games in April? That's probably, that is right, isn't it? There's an awful lot of championship cricket played when it's bloody freezing in, in April and you wouldn't want to, you know, you're going to break your fingers if you spin the ball too hard, aren't you then? No, what, what the teams do is you might, you might have had a stellar end to the last season in, you know, August, September last year, but, and you might have had a good winter, gone on a tour or whatever it may be, but the coach is going to say to you when the first game is picked, we're not going to play a spinner. We'll have a batsman who bowls five overs of spin just to change the ends or rest the seamers. And then they'll say, oh, next week, we'll never know. Next week, next week. And then five games go because the conditions don't change <laughs> in April. And yeah. then you're, a, a third of the games are gone. So then when you do come into the side and it's game six, uh, <laughs> it's going to be hard to get 30 or 40 wickets uh, when you've missed a third of the game. And that mood music's bad, isn't it? It does make you sort of feel a bit second rate. You know, you're the guys they turn to after the other guys have had a go, I guess, which is not awfully encouraging, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Um, it does put extra pressure when you then get into the side because, you, like I said, you've missed some of the season. So I think the scheduling is... I know why they're doing it, obviously, for money and putting the T20 in the middle. It's all to do with money, I think. But, I mean, if they want to produce spinners, then... It's got, there's got to be a balance there to make it a place where spinners, a country where spinners can prosper. And do you think the, it's exactly the same for offers and for leggies? Because we do still produce many more offers, you know, obviously varying quality than, than leggies. And yet, of course, on the subcontinent, you, 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 get, you almost get more leggies than offers, right? Yes, yeah, even harder for leg spinners, even harder. Because when you then say you are playing in April and it's freezing, uh, it's, it's harder to bowl leg spin or wrist spin than finger spin. So that's why there'd be even less um, leggies than offies. Yeah. Yeah. Big questions for the for, for English cricket. Um, and we can we can come back to those in the winter and we almost certainly will. Um, guys, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for your input. And we will no doubt reconvene next week to um, see how things have developed then. Cheers, folks. Speak to you again soon. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, Ravi. Thank Bye. you. Thank you, guys. Podcast Network.